Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part five in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning session of Sunday the 10th of May 2009, entitled Exposing the Error, Part 3. And the Bible reading is the book of Jude, chapters 1 to 25. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to be opening your Bible to the book of Jude for our scripture reading this morning, hopefully as we continue in our series on contending for the faith. And of course, these first, literally taking an expositional book at the book of Jude is our beginning point here. And hopefully by the time we read this a few more times, not so much you'll know what's coming in the next verse before we even get there. But we're going to begin again this morning. We're going to read beginning in Jude verse 1. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints." Well, there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them. For they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the, ser- the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints 
to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth, with their, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Our Father and our God, we thank you again, Lord, just for the great privilege, Lord, of what we have just been able to do by taking this precious pages before us that we know is your word, Father, and be able to, to read them openly and clearly here this morning. And Father, thanking you for the Holy Spirit, which you've promised us, that lives and dwells within us, that is he that can give us understanding, that can open our, our eyes and our hearts this morning for what you have for us. Father, it is he that can anoint, that can give that unction, that power, Father, because we Desire not merely the words of man today. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. We are a people in great need. Father, it is only thy power that can produce anything in anyone's lives here today, Lord, that can be of significance or of any lasting period. Father, we thank you that as we look to you today, we can have that confidence of knowing that you will speak to our hearts. And Lord, may our hearts be receptive to that which you have for us you save the lost, restore the backslider. Father, for anyone in our midst that, Lord, maybe is one of your children that is walking with you, but, Lord, they may be carrying special burdens or have special needs, or maybe they need a fresh challenge or whatever. Lord, you know the needs. We commit each and every one to you. We pray that you would receive all the glory and all the honor for what you do here today. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Contending for the faith. We began our first two sermons in this series on earnestly contending. Now, this is the fifth in the series. wonder who can remember as we went through those first two sermons, as we literated it with all those Fs to be able to help us remember exactly what it was that we were doing when we're earnestly contending for this faith. I wonder who could say it with me this morning. We have a fight to be fought for a faith in its fullness on a foundation that is firm. 
against a foe that's a fraud. That's what our earnestly contending is all about. There is a fight that we need to be fighting. And that fight is for our faith that we have as Christians, the faith that has been handed down to us in all of its fullness. We have the foundation, and it's a firm foundation that we stand upon. We have an enemy, a foe. He's a fraud. He pretends to be things that he's not. He slips in unaware. He's sneaky. But today the victory can be ours. And, of course, we moved on the last two, and today's will be on the thought of exposing the error. The truth is, is that there is much error that needs to be exposed. And we look, first of all, if you remember, that this thing of apostasy is what we're speaking about here, of people that have had and known a truth but have turned from it. We're not talking about people that have never had it. This is a people that have the truth, and there are those that have slipped in unaware and taken them away from that truth. And we look, first of all, at apostasy historically. We looked at what he told us here in the Scriptures, first of all, of remembering the past. We looked at those illustrations that he gives us. We saw, first of all, that unbelieving faith brought eventual destruction. He gave us the nation of Israel itself, and he used that illustration for us to remember what had taken place then. We saw, secondly, that he brings to us another illustration, which was the angels themselves. And we saw how that unchecked pride brought everlasting chains Our pride just wants to rise up there. They thought. And you see, Satan's pride, thinking that he could be as good as or better than God, he spread off on a third of the others, didn't it? That unchecked pride. And then we saw, thirdly, with the examples of Sodom and Gomorrah, how that unbridled lust brought eternal fire, even to the day as we sit right here today, that fire still burning, that again, God says he gave us as an example. And then, of course, we have our own personal examples in remembering the past. As we look at apostasy historically, we can see how that many over the centuries since then that have held the truth have turned from that truth. Many churches, many whole denominations, many of us individually have friends that one time we know they walked with God. They stood for those truths. They knew that truth. But something happened, and they turned away from that truth, and they're not following those same paths anymore. We find that we need to remember the past. We need to learn from apostasy historically. But then we began looking last week at apostasy here. Right now, recognizing the present. And we see how that that's where that as we look into the book of Jude, after he gave us these examples, verse 8 begins with likewise. Just like that happened. Just like you can look back and you can learn from what has taken place in the past. Likewise also, 
these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. And he goes on, and we look, first of all, at their activities. How do we recognize these that have crept in unawares that have all of this error? We saw that they're filthy dreamers, and we talked about that, and their filthy dreams and their ideas of revelation how they defile the flesh and they despise dominions and they speak evil of dignities. We spoke about how big their egos are. We spoke about the fact that they speak evil of things that they know not and how that they corrupt themselves, destroy themselves through the flesh. But as we Look at these. These are all things that they do and things that they think of themselves. But we said as we move on this morning, we want to look not only at these as they look at themselves, if you would, and, and their activities, but we want to look at a true appraisal. A true appraisal. What does God say about them? And that's where we pick up in verse 11, and he says, Woe unto them. Still speaking about these same people, these same ones that have crept in unawares. He says, woe unto them. For they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Gore. Woe unto them. Why? Because their doom is certain. Woe unto them. For their doom is certain, just like it was with Cain. He said they've gone in the way of Cain. Well, what was it? What was the way of Cain? Cain simply rejected God's offer of provision for his acceptance. God had a way. God offered him a way to be accepted. But Cain refused that and simply wanted to do it his own way, his own thing. Gone in the way of Cain, rather than simply doing what God has requested, God wants to accept you. God wants to forgive you of your sin. He said they've gone in the way of Cain. They've made their own way, not God's way. They've tried to come up with their way of being accepted by God. He, in fact, rebelled against God's will concerning sacrifice and tried to do it a way where the sacrifice wasn't necessary. Their doom is certain. Woe unto them. They've gone in the way of Cain. Just like Cain, just like Balaam ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. What did Balaam do? Do you remember? He hired himself out as a prophet. He did not do what he did for the glory of God. He did it for his own reward. As a matter of fact, he devised a plan that would compromise God's people, that would bring judgment upon them, while it was bringing reward to himself. It didn't really matter to him what, what he was doing, what effect it was having upon others. He was simply looking out for number one. 
He was doing all that he was doing for his own reward, for his own profit. Balaam was a greedy man. He was a covetous person. He was a deceitful person. He says, woe unto them. Our enemy, that foe that's a fraud, that one that has crept in unawares, God says, woe unto him, because their doom is certain. Just like Cain's, just like Balaam's, just like Korah's, perished in the gainsaying of Korah. You remember what Korah did? Along with about 250 other Jewish leaders, he rejected and he rebelled against God's appointment of Moses and Aaron as their leaders. You see, they wanted to impose their own will rather than to accept God's will. They wanted to have their own plan rather than following God's plan. Do you realize today that accountability is a huge, huge problem? People don't want to be answerable to God. They don't want to be answerable to the authority that God places over them. They simply want to be answerable to self and nobody else. Well, the Bible says, woe unto these their doom is certain. Read the Word of God. Just like Cain's, just like Balaam's, just like Korah's. You see, in fact, they were all false prophets. <laughs> they were all working their plan rather than God's plan. And some people can be so sincere and so genuine and come across so loving and so genuine. Listen. A person's genuineness, how friendly they might be, how caring they might be. All of their sincerity and, and caring and all of these things, it doesn't make their false teachings right teachings. It doesn't make those errors suddenly okay. The Bible says they're doomed. God's divine judgment will fall upon these that have crept in unawares just as surely as it did these that he's given us examples of. Their doom is certain. But something else about them, he says, their value is worthless. Their value is absolutely worthless. Notice what he says in verse 12 and 13. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now, just look. God is giving us a true appraisal of just who they are. He says they're worthless. They're as worthless as dirty spots are on a clean garment. <laughs> you see, the love feast of the church was actually being blemished 
just simply because these people were present. Their ungodliness, which is used time and time again in describing them, was corrupting the very unity and oneness of the body of Christ. You see, you cannot, you cannot, under any circumstances, allow these false teachings, these false doctrines, those that have turned away from the truth to be part of the body. A little leaven leaveneth the whole bunch. And folks, we recognize the doors of this church are never locked. Not when we're here anyway. <laughs> They're open to anyone that would like to enter in and, and be here and hear the truth in the Word of God. But that's different. That's why time and time and time again, we urge you, we encourage you, make a commitment to the body. Be part of the body. Anybody can walk through the doors and sit there on Sunday morning, and we welcome them all. But God needs a committed body together that will stand upon these truths, that will earnestly contend for these truths, that will fight for these truths. We find that these that have crept in, he says they're as worthless as dirty spots are on a clean garment. They're as worthless as clouds without water. He says they're like waterless clouds just being blown about by the wind everywhere but accomplishing absolutely nothing. They come along, they bring a great promise, but they deliver nothing. <laughs> time and time again. You know, <laughs> you're waiting for that rain. Maybe the gardens are dry and we're in the midst of a drought and want that water so much. The clouds roll in and your hopes rise. The promise of water. <laughs> but then it just blows away. Leaves nothing. He says that's all they are. They're just faking you out. <laughs> They're making big promises, but they'll deliver absolutely nothing. As worthless as fruit trees that bear no fruit. Well, they'll promise to feed you. They'll promise to bring you a, a great spiritual feast, but instead, they'll bring you famine. No matter what's promised, a tree without Roots cannot deliver fruit. These people have no roots. It is impossible to produce genuine fruit. They're worthless. Worthless as dirty spots on a clean garment. Worthless as clouds without water. As worthless as fruit trees that bear no fruit. As worthless as raging waves, he said. Coming and promising great power. But in the end spewing forth the foam of their own shame. Those waves, remember when they, they come rolling in and then they just turn into a bunch of foam at the end. He says that's the way these are. These false promise, prophets promising their powerful ministries, but in the end, they'll only bring worthless shame. He says they're as worthless as wandering stars. Just a flash in the sky like a, a star that is out of orbit. Maybe like a, a meteor that's going across the sky or a shooting star, as some of you may have seen before. You see, they're promising to be a guiding light, to lead you down these paths you need to go, promising direction. But in fact, he says, they're just a 
a flash of brilliance that's aimless and worthless and can't take you anywhere. You see, their doom is certain. Their value is worthless. Verses 14 and 15, their doom is coming. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You see, just as God, through the Holy Spirit, is revealing these things right here that are being recorded for us to Jude, God had used Enoch to prophesy of these things. Only seven generations after Adam, Enoch, the one the Bible says walked with God, the one that was taken to heaven without facing death in this life. He was told of the second coming of our Lord. <laughs> he was told of when the Lord would return with his saints to judge the ungodly, of whom these that have crept in unaware are included. But here in verse 15 it's being made certain that we understand that there is nothing godly about them or the things that they do. Jude had already mentioned the second coming back up in, in uh, uh, what was it, uh, back in verse 6 when he was talking about the rebellious angels. We find that he's now speaking of these that are completely godless. And they will be convicted, he says, before the great white throne. They will be sentenced to an eternity in hell. We saw in, in verse 11 that their, their doom was certain. Sometimes, just like others, there'll be that doom will be seen in this life. But the truth is, is that regardless of what we see them face in this life, there is the certainty of a judgment that is coming, and no one will escape that judgment. And their sentence is one that will be held for all of eternity. He's saying that's where these are going to be found. You see, we find it hard sometimes because they claim to be of God, because they're such genuine, such sincere people. I'm saying we need to expose the error, folks. We need to recognize God is telling us exactly, precisely who these people are, how they act, and what lies ahead for them. You see, he warns us that their deception is dangerous. He says in verse 16, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Murmurers and complainers. They'll grumble and they'll find fault, particularly in those that are a threat to them, those that are standing up on the truth, those that are seeking to follow God's will. 
because they are a threat to them. They will attempt to turn God's people against the very ones that God has placed there to feed them and protect them. Murmur and complain. We find that he says they walk after their own lust. They're driven by a desire to satisfy themselves and their sinful lust. That might be power. It might be position. It might be prestige. It might be possessions. It might be any of those things. In the end, it all comes down to what it's doing for themselves, though. And, of course, they're dangerously deceptive, he says, with their great swelling words. Well, they can talk up a charm. They'll be able to woo you with their speech. When in fact, those words are completely void of any spiritual substance whatsoever. They'll flatter you with what you want to hear. You know, that's what Paul talked about to Timothy when he talked about those itching ears. That's what these that have crept in unawares, they're going to flatter them, tell them what they want to hear. But in the end, it will do absolutely nothing because, folks, it's not what we want to hear that we need. It's not even what we think that we need. It's what God wants to say to us that makes the difference in our lives. It's God's truth that will change. We have an enemy. We have this foe. He is a fraud. He's an imitation. And oh, yes, we can tell by looking at these various descriptions of what they will be like, but he's very deceptive in what he does. The Bible says we need to be very, very careful that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contending. Why? Because there is a fight to be fought for a faith in all of its fullness, not just the bits and pieces that we want, but on a foundation that's firm that God has given us against a foe that's a fraud, that's an imitation, that's a fake. We find that if we're to earnestly contend, if we're genuinely, earnestly going to fight for these things, then that requires exposing the error, exposing the error of these that have crept in. We do this by remembering the past, looking at apostasy historically. We see examples in Scripture of it, of these apostates of the past, the influence that they had on the people of God the consequences that had on both the apostates themselves and the people of God. There's much to be learned. There's much to be learned from, from these in our past as their errors are exposed. But we also need to recognize the present. Look at the apostasy here before our eyes in the present. The error must be exposed. There's some things, you know, we can be gracious and loving, 
But pretending that error is right, folks, you're not doing anybody a favor. If you're afraid to hurt somebody's feelings because you won't step on the truth, then you become a compromiser. We find that the truth is that as we look to expose this error, we can recognize these. We can recognize their activities. We can note that God has a true appraisal of them here in the Word of God. Their doom is certain. Their value is worthless. They're godless. Their judgment is coming. But their deception is dangerous. We need to be on guard. The danger is real. The danger is present. It's not a time to sit passively by and just let it happen around us. The enemy has slipped in unaware in so many areas. And he says that we should earnestly contend for the faith, the one that was once delivered, once for all delivered to the saints. The truth is, is that it can come from everywhere. I give you this illustration in closing this morning because sadly, folks, many times one of the places that he can slip in unaware is in the very pulpits of our land. Those that are standing and having an effect and an influence on those around them. A certain clergyman was called by a church to become its pastor. Having been strongly influenced by many of the critical scholars and their downgrade portions of the Scripture as myths, and he himself doubting the authenticity of everything in the Bible. About two years after his coming, the pastor visited one of his members who was very sick. When he learned that the man had a terminal illness, he suggested that perhaps he would like him to read something to him from the Word of God and to pray for him. Yes, replied the man as he took his Bible and handed it to the minister. When the minister opened the Bible, he was shocked when he saw what was in there because a lot of the pages had just been ripped out. There were others where bits had been cut out and the thing was in tatters and it was just a terrible mangled mess. The pastor looked a bit confused and he looked at him and he said, haven't you got a better Bible than this? The dying man replied, well, when you came to our church, I believed the entire book. But as soon as you began to tell us that certain sections weren't true, I just took them out if they weren't true. When you said that some stories were probably just fiction or fable, he said, I got rid of them. I tore them out. He said, as a matter of fact, I was getting concerned that if I sit under you preaching for another year or so, that there may not be anything left except the two covers on the outside. Sometimes, sometimes the deception can come from the places that we least expect it. Crept in unawares. Folks, we need to contend for the faith. We need to earnestly contend for the faith. The faith in its fullness, the one that was once for all delivered to us, not what man wants to make it, not what man does for himself. We have so many examples here that have been given to us. But we've been given a great responsibility in contending 
for this faith that's been delivered to us. We're going to sing for our closing hymn this morning, Who is on the Lord's Side? And of course, that's a pertinent question as we look there and as we ask ourselves. And it's something that we all must ask for ourselves. You know, we don't need any more artificialness. What we need today is some genuine Christians that will genuinely stand, that is genuinely willing to fight for the truth in all of its fullness. And over these next weeks, we're going to look at some of those things that we need to be earnestly contending for, things that there is no compromise on, truths that we must hold dear, that we need to understand what we believe, and we need to stand there with all that's within us. Thank you.